Hey everybody, good morning and welcome to the Reflections of the Savior podcast. This is Josh Hill and I'm here with Chris Mock, John Wiggins, and Alex Cowan. And today we're going to be diving right into the concept of justification and adoption uh, within the lives of the believer. So everybody just buckle up. We're going to dive right in and John will kick us off and get us started. So we'll read uh, Romans 8, uh, verse 14 through 17. It says, uh, Paul says to the church, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So the conversation in this podcast, like Josh said, justification and adoption, we're kind of tackling sort of two things. That passage, predominantly speaking of adoption, uh, speaking about being a part of a new family, an heir of God, uh, while, you know, other passages would emphasize, for example, justification. Uh, I I think, um, let's just read 2 Corinthians 5.21 as well. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, In other words, Paul is saying to the church at Corinth uh, that Jesus uh, took on our sin, uh, though he was sinless, uh, so that through him and in him we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, His righteousness is going to be at, at the moment of justification it's going to be uh, imputed to, uh, to us uh, at that moment. <clears throat> and uh, and that's, a, that's a significant word uh, f- when we think about salvation, how, how we are made righteous. Uh, is, are we uh, made righteous continually through means of our works, uh, infused grace to us and or are, are we made righteous in a one-time declaration uh, where God uh, imputes his righteousness, places it upon us, uh, this judicial kind of declaration type of picture? I think Grudem says it this way, that justification is an instantaneous legal act of God in which he thinks of our sins as forgiven and thinks of Christ's righteousness as belonging to us and therefore declares us to be just or morally righteous in his sight. Uh, what it means to be justified. Uh, So, so that, um, that passage uh, is uh, what'll, what'll kind of lead us into our conversation. Justification, uh, how so does justification change our internal nature? That's the first question. Uh, Does God's act of justification change our internal nature? Why or why not? I'm thinking of internal nature here. Is, is it meaning that at the moment of salvation when we are justified, that we are, the Holy Spirit is taking this heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh, that we are um, born again um, and justified, fully righteous, um, no more in condemnation. Uh, therefore, you know, those who are in Christ, there's no con- condemnation for. Well, I, I think so. I, maybe, maybe that's what he's saying. I really think it's a hard question to understand. But I think the main thing is that we, we as, or, or 
I'll speak for myself. I, I, I believe that there are several things that happen almost instantaneously, and we kind of try to, so we can understand theology, we try to kind of place them on a timeline. Yeah. But when we think about conversion, adoption, justification, the, these things, for the most part, happen, regeneration, I'd also put in there. A lot of these things happen very much instantaneously. We are born again, right? And that regenerate work produces, this is, I'm showing my cards a little bit here, but, but it produces these, all these things, our conversion, our justification, our, uh, you know, um, adoption uh, ha- would happen Im- immediately following those things or, or right there with those things. So, and, and it's, I think for us, you being finite humans, we try to put things on a timeline uh, when in scripture, it kind of speaks of all those hap- happening pretty close, pretty much in the same moment. Uh, so, so I think when I think about <clears throat> does justification actually change our internal nature? Uh, justification is about being declared righteous. So like, not really, um, but being born again does. Being regenerated by the Holy Spirit does. You, you know, right, so uh, it's, it's not the act of justification that is giving us a new nature, but at the same time, we are justified. We are given a new nature. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Um, it's a poorly worded question. <laughs> I think so. Protest- maybe just a trick question. A trick question. Maybe so. Maybe it's trying to get us. Uh, Protestants typically teach some form of imputation as described by Grudem. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church, along with the, uh, some Protestants, teach that Christ's righteousness is imparted. That is, rather than being credited with Christ's righteousness, which is not our own, Christ's righteousness slowly imparted to us so that it, do, it, become, it does become our own righteousness. Uh, how might this concept be damaging to the gospel? It, it puts, you know, where we would say we're sanctified and being made more like Christ throughout our lives. We're not earning righteousness as that happens. It's the result of the righteousness that we've already received um, that, you know, Paul talks about it in Romans where he says, you're no longer a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. And I think that's a better picture of what sanctification in the Christian life looks like. It's not that we're constantly trying to earn or become more righteous um, in Jesus. We are as righteous as we'll ever be in that declaration of justification, but it's throughout our lives that we, in loving response to God, continue to develop those holy practices which make us more like Christ. It's not a, I need to make sure that my Father in Heaven doesn't turn his back on me and make me no longer his child, unrecreate me, and I'm no longer a Christian because I didn't do these exact things the right way. It's I'm secure in his hand, he's carrying me through, and he will see me through till the end. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird amalgamation and conflation of sanctification, justification, and um, to some degree salvation in and of itself. When you put all of those things together and you, like John says, put them on a timeline, um, it, it creates some major issues. Think of a... One thing John would always say, talking about Miles McKee, the Irish guy who came here and spoke, and he has got a, it being in Ireland, a ministry which is really trying to evangelize Roman Catholics. And what's the phrase that you'll always use? The finished work of Christ. That we can rest in the finished work of Christ. And this um, idea of we having to do things to receive more imparted righteousness from Christ is really saying that it's not finished. That there's things that we can do to gain more righteousness 
And how do you rest in something that you need to keep on working at? Sounded like you were choking on that compliment to an Irish. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. That's what it's hard is. to get out there, but um. yeah. yeah, I think uh, that's a good word. That's a good word. I think that's 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 exactly why he speaks so much about the finished work. You know, that's how he phrased it. Uh, the doing, dying, and rising of Jesus is uh, all that is needed to be done to make us righteous. And when we place our faith in Him every bit of his righteousness accredited to our account. That's what we see in the Old Testament. I mean, it, that's, this is not like a new pathway for Jesus uh, people. It's, this is the language of uh, Abram, uh, Abraham, when he is, places his faith in God. He is, he, it's his faith is accredited, it, his righteousness is accredited to his account. Yeah, that's what we see. Uh, it is judiciary declaration uh, that's involved there not impartation through more good works of Abraham, you know? So, And, and I think, when I think of Christianity, when I think of Jesus' message to people, it was a message of rest and freedom. You know, he yep. says, come to me, you who are weary, because they're trying to live a legalistic life in light of the way the Pharisees have taught them, mm-hmm. and they're just weary from it. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, come to me, mm-hmm. and I'll give you rest That's right. from mm-hmm. that. And yeah. so to tell people, come to Jesus, and maybe if you do these things the right way, you can have rest in him at some point. Um, that's not a message of hope and freedom. That, that's a message of, of bondage. Try singing Amazing Grace if you believe that Catholic, Catholic doctrine that it's also mm-hmm. on you to keep on going, going to Mass and going to confession and all those things. Mm-hmm. Whereas we can come, we can sing Amazing Grace with freedom, Chris, because we rest in what Christ has done for us. I love, mm-hmm. I love the uh, illustration um, of one pastor where he talks about his anniversary uh, with his wife, and he's he's talking about the difference between doing things out of what you see as your duty or as a work to earn something, and just giving a loving response. And so he says it's their anniversary, he comes to the door, knocks on the door, and his wife answers, and he has a dozen roses, and he gives them to her, and she says, oh, this is so sweet, and he says, it was my duty, I had to do it, as your husband. Um, she's not going to feel loved, and there's not, there's, that's not a positive relationship, but if what he says is, when he gives her the roses, and she says, oh, this is so great, I love you, and he says, nothing makes me happier than to make you happy, and to bring you pleasure and enjoyment. Um, and if our relationship to God is the second one, I think we've grasped Christianity. If our relationship to God is the first one, we're missing something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <clears throat> in terms of declaration that we are righteous before God, uh, looking at other scriptures, uh, I, <clears throat> Proverbs seventeen fifteen is the one given here. Uh, it's a verse that says this, uh, he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous uh, are both alike an abomination. In other words, God will not justify the wicked and he will not condemn the righteous uh, or he'll become an abomination in himself. Uh, so w- how does he accomplish the justification of the wicked? Uh, uh, well, because we know that we're all in that boat, right? Um, like we're all sinful. Uh, Romans 3 tells us that there are none righteous, no, not one. And so how, how is he going to, how does he make us righteous? Well, the gospel tells us that, right? That Jesus died, that we, we read 2 Corinthians 5.21, that he uh, made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. You know, this, this uh, um, <clears throat> seems to be 
uh, when, when it looked like all throughout the Old Testament, though, there was no way for him to do that. This, this, this is how God does it uh, and accomplishes both the justification uh, of the wicked um, and, uh, <clears throat> and so, upholds his justice and some righteousness. Some people call it the great transaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where the innocent man is pronounced guilty. Yeah. So the guilty people could be pronounced innocent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. What if we sin after we're forgiven? Uh, justification, does it cover that? Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> That's a simple answer, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Uh, yeah. Once and for all. Christ uh, died once and for all. Yeah. It's the finished work. Yeah, it's, it's the finished work. It, it's, 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 uh, it's not our righteousness. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, of course, uh, we're still righteous because we never had righteousness. <laughs> like, uh, he gave it to us. He imputed it to us. He, he's... He's placed that upon us, you know. And we can't tarnish that righteousness. Mm-hmm. It, that gives us more credit than we're due. Yeah. And, and so how do we avoid falling into the gutter on the other side of saying, well, if that's the case, if I say I believe in Jesus, why can't I just go and do all the things I want to do? Why do I still need to adhere to some form of Christian conduct? Well, you can, but I would argue that if that was your goal and um, – Either if you believed in Christ, you wouldn't be able to do that, or if you didn't believe in Christ, the point, the question would be moot, you know, mm-hmm. because you don't believe. Fundamentally, part of the transaction we talked about at conversion and in regeneration, uh, we are deeply changed at the heart level, and our mm-hmm. desires are changed mm-hmm. in such a way that we will not want those things anymore. Mm-hmm. And if, and Scripture tells us that if we do have desires and continual sin, that we should examine our own hearts, see if we're in the faith, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, so... So I think, uh, uh, you know, that would, that would be the first things I would say to, to that person who is doing what Paul talks about, sinning so that grace may abound. You know, Romans 6, uh, shall we do that? Uh, Paul says, well, by no means. We've been saved from something to something. Uh, and so, um, of course not. But uh, justification by faith alone, how active are you in exercising faith? How is this faith not a work in itself? Uh, how are we not justified by the work that is that is faith? Uh, <clears throat> and uh, does anybody want to tackle that one? That, that you, that's pretty de- deep. You kind of, earlier when you said you were showing your cards, uh, essentially. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you said mm-hmm. regeneration precedes faith. Essentially, that's, is what you said. So, that's what I think. So we're and practically everybody I think in our church would agree with this statement is that. When somebody's coming to faith in Christ, when they're, let's say they're sitting in the congregation and we would say the Holy Spirit is tugging on their heart. Mm -hmm. That's what we mean by saying regeneration precedes faith. The Holy Spirit is initiating Mm -hmm. salvation and that person is going to respond in faith to what the Holy Spirit is initiating. So faith is not a work because it's Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit who produced the faith in the person. Yeah, that's right. And and it's a gift. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. it's a gift given Mm -hmm. uh, to them. Uh, via the Holy Spirit, yeah, maybe, yeah, I would, I would agree with all that. Um, any other thoughts about any of those other ones uh, there? Uh, why do Roman Catholics believe that some sacraments are a means of grace? Uh, and uh, you know, I, I think they, they believe that because we said about what imparted, you know, righteousness. I mean, it, all these things are tied together. You know, I mean, uh, so <clears throat> for. Uh, for Roman Catholics to believe that the sacraments are a means of grace. They are, they're saying that they're getting some righteousness uh, 
Christ righteous through these different things that they do uh, in, you know. For some uh, people at home, what would be sacraments um, of the Catholic Church? The Eucharist, which we would know as communion or the Lord's Supper. Marriage. Marriage. Last rites. Confession. Confession. I think baptism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there yeah. are seven. I'm I, trying to think I, what the they other would, two are. They would call something confirmation. Yes, confirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, That's after you go through the catechism and as a child and you get confirmed in the Catholic Church. So when we say sacraments, this is what we mean, these mm-hmm. elements of the church there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Traditions by which the church understands it, that grace is imparted in the life of a believer. Mm-hmm. Uh a couple, one more thought here. Let's um, James two. Uh, we'll read this real quick. Uh, I think this would be one uh, thing to talk about before we end the conversation. But the whole justification by faith or justification by works. Uh, you know, Paul and and uh, James seem to be at odds. You know, or some, to some people when they say say some of the things they do. Uh, but James is tackling something different than Paul is. Paul's wrestling with. Uh, people who think they're they're righteous by the things they do, uh, and James, just the opposite of that, uh, is is dealing with people who <clears throat> are not demonstrating works. Yeah. yeah, as a result of them saying they have faith. So, mm-hmm. so uh, I think that's the best way to reconcile it for the most part. But we'll read the passage, uh, James two. Uh, you got it there, Alex. Want to read some yeah, of that? Yeah, James 14 two through, fourteen through twenty six, or mm-hmm. just. Tell me to stop when you want me to stop. Starting in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, it does not have, sorry, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well, even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see, a, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how do we? What is dead faith? How do we reconcile this with justification by faith alone? Uh, dead faith uh, seems to be a faith that is is not saving faith, uh, and and might be more assent to two things that, uh, but but is not a believing into 
Christ and uh, the finished work. And there's uh, been no change mm-hmm. because a change in a right. changed heart is going to lead to mm-hmm. um, caring for people sure. and ministering yeah. to other people. And Jesus said it best with his illustration of you'll know them by their fruits. A, a good tree yep. bears good fruit, a bad tree, bad fruit. And mm-hmm. so that's what James, I think, is getting at there is like there's a bunch of bad trees running around pretending like they're good trees just because they say they have faith, mm-hmm. but they're not doing anything yeah. that resembles good fruit. There's no apples on the tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And, and I think you, you mentioned like Paul and James. Some people may be putting them at odds against each other. But um, you know, when you go bowling, you know, I'm I don't do it anymore. But you know, as a kid, you'd have those rails mm-hmm. so that your gutter ball doesn't go off into the left gutter or into the mm-hmm. right gutter. Mm-hmm. And I think Paul and James are on opposite sides. They're the mm-hmm. rail on each so, side, yeah. guarding you from going into the gutter. Mm-hmm. Um, so not at That's odds, right. but just guarding yeah. against different things. That's good. It's a good illustration. I like I like to go bowling. That's right. <laughs> I wish you could have gutters in golf so you don't go off into the rough. I don't know how you would do that. Big gutter. Big nets. <laughs> the gutter would just send your ball back to the first hole. You got to start off. <laughs> Yeah, I, the next question here is adoption and justification. What is the difference between the two of them? And I, I think they're fundamentally different in definition. Justification is talking about the, the de- how we're declared righteous as a legal act of God. Uh, he he um, thinks uh, our sins forgiven and thinks Christ's righteousness belonging to us, uh, imputes that upon us. That That's what we're seeing in justification. When we're thinking about adoption, I think we're thinking about the word heir with that. You know, I always kind of associate a word uh, so my justification word would be declared, you know, and, and, you know, declared and righteous. I think those two words come out, whereas my adoption word would be uh, heir, uh, a son and daughter. Um, I think what the passage we read in Romans 8 is, is significant that we, uh, uh, that we have become sons and daughters of God, and whereby we can say, we, uh, Abba, Father, so... I'm probably about to butcher this, but it's just a thought running through my brain. Is you think about like a judge, there's like a a, a minor that or somebody that's somebody that just turned eight. There's there's 17 that could be tried as an adult, um, but the judge forgives them, and not only forgives them but adopts them into his family so that he can care for that that 17 year old and help them grow and mature to be more like himself. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's the judge not only forgiving and not bringing down the sentence upon the person, but then bringing that person into their family. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just an extra added element of God's graciousness and goodness. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's good. Yeah, it's a good word. Uh, The next question has to do with uh, adoption uh, in terms of what we, the privileges of adoption now and later. Privileges of adoption now are the ones that I kind of referenced. Uh, we we have we, we're we're sons and daughters of God. We we see this picture of sonship and and uh, in Romans eight and uh, we we have an intimate relationship with God uh, be, in in being a, a son uh, of, of His. Luke eleven, mm-hmm. uh, where we you know we're, we're being asked about our good Father who is in heaven who hears. Uh, you know, h- how much more would our f- us fathers on earth who give our child children good gifts, how much more will our Father in heaven um, hear our pleas for help and give us just the greatest gift of all, which is the Holy Spirit? So it's like a personal relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Don't have to live in fear of slavish obedience. Uh, 
we're free to experience the joy of living as heirs uh, in mm-hmm. all the blessings God uh, gives his children in this life, but also the life to come. You know, yeah. I think when we talk about when we talk about what it means to be adopted, uh, you know, our, we we receive a lot of benefits uh, that we haven't yet mm-hmm. received, uh, and uh, and so a lot of those uh, are uh, going to be received in His coming, uh, in in or in our passing and going to be with Him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And so when we enter into his presence, uh, having been clothed with the righteousness of Christ through justification, uh, we will enjoy the benefits of adoption and being called a son and a daughter of his. And so I, uh, uh, I think uh, uh, adoption is, is uh, indeed such a great uh, picture of, uh, of, a, of a gospel uh, element, you know, like when when we see adoption, when uh, in in terms of folks in our church who adopt a child or whatnot, we we get a glimpse into how wonderful it is to be a part of the family of God mm-hmm. in a real way. Uh, to think that uh, perhaps the the orphan who uh, seems fatherless um, and or who's experienced abandonment, uh, not so with our God. Through faith and repentance, we are adopted into. Uh, a new family that is uh, um, that our father is perfect and he is present and he's loving and so no matter the the uh, the earthly family you have Christ uh, uh, in the gospel has given us something beautiful uh, in being adopted into his family um, absolutely and that's a beautiful thought to end on that even if you are someone that has experienced the pain of um, a, a difficult family situation and when you think about phrases like adoption or family or things like that it may bring up a different picture in your mind than what it does for for someone who has had a good ex- family experience mm-hmm. but the reality is that everything that you could have imagined the best possible family relationship to be is the relationship that we have as adopted sons and daughters of our Lord. So thanks again for being with us. Um, As always, make sure you subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Facebook, and check out our website for any information. We would love to connect with you. But until we see you again, we love you and we're